Listen to this story. There was an elderly woman who was known for her faith and for her boldness in talking about God. She would stand on her front porch and pray aloud, often shouting, Praise the Lord! Next door to her lived a man without faith. He didn't believe in God and was offended and angry about this woman's bold beliefs. When she would shout, Praise the Lord, he would shout back, Lady, there ain't no Lord. Well, hard times came to this elderly woman, and she prayed earnestly for God to provide what she needed. She would stand on her porch and pray aloud, God, you know that I need food, and, and I have the faith to believe that you'll provide it. Well, the next morning, the lady went out on her porch and saw this large bag of groceries and shouted, Praise the Lord! At that point, her neighbor jumped from behind a bush and shouted, Gotcha! I told you there was no Lord. I bought those groceries. God didn't. The lady smiled and said, Are you kidding? God not only sent me these groceries, he made the devil pay for them. Praise the Lord! Today I want to talk to you about a topic that really is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. A topic that determines what kind of life you live and, and how much of God's power you experience. The topic I want us to consider today is faith. Now take a look inside the verse card inside your bulletin this morning. We have that there every week. It's a classic verse about faith from Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses in Hebrew chapter 11 this morning. And if you're using one of the Bibles that we provided, that's going to be on page 974. And this is what the verse says. And without faith, it is really hard to please God. Is that what it says? If you're looking at your verse, what does it say? Without faith, it is what? Imposible. It is impossible. Sin fe es imposible agradar a Dios. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So church, the Bible says that without faith, it's not just hard to please God. It just won't happen. Now, I want you to know that when it comes to my life and your life and the life of our church, the one thing I want more than anything else is for us to please God. And that means if we're going to please God as a church, we have to live by what? By faith. A faith that is strong, a faith that doesn't quit, a faith that trusts God and takes some, some bold risks. And so today I want to talk to you about this, daring faith. Now, look at your outline. What is daring faith? Well, first of all, daring faith sees in advance what can be accomplished with God's power. Daring faith sees in advance what can be accomplished with God's power. Now, the very first verse of Hebrews chapter 11 says this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Daring faith doesn't just see what is. Daring faith sees what can be because of God's power. This past week, I was looking at some pictures that illustrate this principle Here's a picture of a sign that was on our property a number of years ago. Now, this is before we ever had a building, and this sign is really an expression of faith because it says, future home of Boynton Beach Community Church. Before this building was ever here, when this was just a vacant lot, with eyes of faith, we could see that one day there was going to be a building here, a ministry tool where people could come and hear about a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And guess what? We're here. The building is a reality, but before it ever existed, we saw it with eyes of faith. 
And here are some other pictures of our building project. This is when the wall sections were going up. And I remember that day, I was so excited to see the progress. And I remember this picture. My wife, Chris, took this picture. I was standing where the foyer is. And we were talking about all the people that would come through the doors and all the needs that God would meet. And we were so excited because we were looking at this building with eyes of faith. And then some of you remember this. This is actually our worship service on December the 9th, 2012, because we thought that we were going to be in the building that day, and yet Palm Beach County did not give us our certificate of occupancy, so we had church in the parking lot. Remember that? And we met under this giant tent. Here's a picture of that. And that was a great service. It was a faith-building opportunity. I remember that, that Sunday I was talking about Israel crossing the Jordan River because the church doors were right there. The threshold was there, but we couldn't come inside. And we talked about how with eyes of faith, we were going to get in the promised land. We were going to be in this building. And here's an aerial view of our building at that point when we were finally able to do that. Daring faith doesn't just see what is. Daring faith sees what can be because of the power of God. And church, listen carefully. It is our faith in God that releases the power of God. Did you hear that? It's our faith in God that releases the power of God. There's a beautiful verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and it says that God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. How? Because of his mighty power that works where? In us. You see, every person that God uses in the Bible does more than they ever imagined. Why? Because God is able to accomplish great things through ordinary people who really trust him. Let me ask you this. This December 4th, as you look at the circumstances in your life, your job, your family, your finances, your health, whatever it happens to be, do you only see what is or do you see what can be because of God's power? And how about this? When you look in the mirror at yourself, do you only see who you are or do you see who you can be because of God's power? When you look at your, your weaknesses and your struggles and your past failures, do you see how God can change you and change your life because of his mighty power? Billy Joel wrote a song one time called Everybody Has a Dream. And I remember listening to that song the very first time and I thought, you know, that's that's so true. We all have dreams about the way we want our life to work out, the kind of person that we want to be. And yet so often, those dreams don't come true. And I think often it's not because we're not smart enough uh, or talented enough or even spiritual enough. It's because we're not willing to take the risks that are necessary to see those dreams come true. Many of you have heard the, the cliche, waiting for your ship to come in. Ever hear that? I think there are people who spend their whole life waiting for their ship to come in when God is waiting for them to set sail and leave their safe harbor. See, daring faith sees in advance what can be accomplished with God's power. And because of that, daring faith takes risks and attempts great things for God. Daring faith takes risks and attempts great things for God. Near the end of his life, the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon called his sons together and said, boys, if God be your partner, make your plans big. That's some really good advice, isn't it? Daring faith accomplishes big things because we have a big and powerful God. Look at this next verse. It says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, 
and holy fear built an ark to save his family. Do you realize that when God told Noah, hey, I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood, he had never seen rain before? And yet, because of his faith, and I would say his daring faith, he builds this three-story floating zoo to save his family because he really trusted God. And what about a man named Abraham? This is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says this, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. And catch this, even though he did not know where he was going. Now guys, imagine going home and telling your wife, hey honey, we're moving. Really? Why? Um, God told me to. And I think about the conversation that Abraham may have had with Sarah. God who? Well, there's this God and he spoke to me and he told me that he wants us to move. Um, so where are we going? I don't know exactly. What do you mean exactly? Well, the truth is, Sarah, that I have no idea where God wants us to move, but I know this. I trust him, and I believe that he will show us the way, so start packing. That would take some faith, wouldn't it? The most daring thing that you can do with your life is to follow Jesus Christ wherever he leads you. And yet, here in our nation, here in America, so many people only want to follow Jesus if he makes their life easier, safer, and more comfortable. And church, I really believe this. There are many Christians who are just not taking risks for the kingdom. They're not taking the risk of standing up for what they believe. They're not taking the risk of sharing their faith. They're not attempting bold things for God. I remember a number of years ago when God called me to be a pastor. Many of you know part of the story anyway. I was working as a firefighter and a paramedic. And the chief of emergency medical services for the city where I work came to me and said, hey, Dudley, um, I'm going to retire. Do you want my job? And I thought to myself, whoa, this is like my dream. And, and boy, I could, I could make a lot of money and I would have a lot of security. And I said, well, no, actually, I'm going to be leaving the fire service. I'm going to quit my job and go back to school because God's calling me to be a pastor. Well, that caused some conversations at work that were quite interesting, but also one in our family. I remember I was talking to my older brother and telling him about my plans, and he said, Dudley, are you sure you know what you're doing? I mean, you do have a wife and three kids, and I said, I, I know that, but I really believe that God is calling me to be a pastor. And then I told my brother this. I said, you know, here's the deal. How can I ever stand in front of a group of people and say, you need to have faith. You need to trust God. You need to step out and try some daring things if I'm not willing to do that myself. And yesterday, we had the ladies' brunch, and, and it was um, such a, a great event. And one of the people on stage speaking was Natalie Hernandez. And her mom and dad, John and Maritza, founded an organization that's one of our ministry partners, Children's Impact Network. And I was talking with Natalie and with her sister, Nikki, who were both here yesterday, and I was remembering the first time I met their dad. Um, John had just come into our church office, and I didn't know him at all. He didn't know me, and he asked if he could talk to me for a few minutes, and he started telling me about what he was doing with Voice of the Martyrs in Colombia. And he said, you know, Dudley, um, there's so much persecution down there. He was telling me at that time that over 300 pastors and church leaders had been assassinated by the communist guerrillas, and that some of their wives and kids had been kidnapped and killed, and, and he could tell as we were having this conversation, that I was really interested in what he was doing. And he said, listen, um, I'm going to be going 
to Columbia, and we'd love to have you be a part of our team because we want to go down there and, and encourage these pastors and pray for them and, and equip them for ministry. And he said this, but I want you to know that there are some risks involved. I mean, we try to do everything we can to keep our team safe, but there are dangers that we just can't control. And I remember coming home and talking to my wife, Chris, and saying, hey, I met this guy named John Hernandez, and we had like this two-hour conversation, and he invited me to go to Columbia. She said, South America? I said, yeah, not South Carolina, South America. And what would you be doing? Well, we would be working with persecuted pastors. And she said, that sounds dangerous. I said, well, it could be. But I really believe God wants me to go there. And immediately Chris said, well, then you need to go. And church, this spring, God willing, I'm going to be going back to Columbia for the seventh time. And I'll tell you this, being there and praying with and, and just hanging out with these pastors and their wives and their kids has given me a whole new perspective on what daring faith is all about. And I know this. I know that God doesn't give all of us the same assignment. God might not call you to go outside the U.S. God might not call you to go to some place where it's dangerous to share your faith. But I believe this with all my heart. If you're a Christian this morning, you are called to be a part of Christ's mission. And that mission is letting other people know how they can have a relationship with Jesus. So, here's my challenge. I want you to take a risk this Christmas season. And here's a risk. I want you to invite somebody to come to our church on Christmas Eve. Four o'clock, six o'clock, invite somebody to come. And with that in mind, I want you to watch this brief video. We went to Sunday for After the service in the lobby, there are these invitation cards that you can pick up. And this is a, a tool. It's just a way to invite somebody to come to our service on Christmas Eve. And church, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, I was thinking just yesterday, I was talking to a man who was here serving, and he told me that it was on a Christmas Eve during one of our services that he decided to follow Jesus. And I just want 
as many people as possible to have that opportunity this Christmas season. And you can be a part of that. You can be a part of seeing somebody's life change forever. But we've got to do this. We've got to step out in faith and take the risk of inviting them. And that brings us to this next statement about daring faith. This is on your outline. Daring faith gives sacrificially to reach godly goals. Daring faith gives sacrificially. This is from verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Now notice what Abraham was thinking. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Now those of you who know the story know that when Abraham was, was tested, he obeyed God. Now why did he obey God? And here's a simple answer, because he trusted God. He believed that no matter what, God was going to somehow keep his promise. And there's a very important principle here, and it's this. Giving sacrificially is always a matter of faith. Giving sacrificially is always a matter of faith. Now, I have a question for you, and it's simply this. Do you think that tithing, which is giving 10% of your income to God, do you think that requires daring faith? Now, I suspect that if I had a private conversation with you this morning, some of you would say, well, you know, I think it takes faith, but I've been doing that for years. And God has always honored our giving. He's always come through and provided for us. Others of you would think, man, that's a pretty big stretch, because I've never done that before. I don't know if I really have the faith to trust God to do that. Now, right now in America, Christians on average give about 2.5% of their income to their local church. It's interesting that during the Great Depression, that number was higher. It was 3.3%. And so the question is, why don't more Christians tithe? And I think there are two primary reasons. Number one, some Christians don't think that it's really a command in Scripture. You know, there are Christians that I've talked to who say, look, tithing is something in the Old Testament, but we're living in the New Testament. And for me, Jesus settled the matter. This is in Matthew 23, which is a book in the New Testament, when he commended tithing. And then, of course, there's a very practical reason that, that people don't tithe, and it's because many of us have a lot of personal debt. And if we just did the numbers and you know, added up our bills and our income and decided, wait a minute, 10%, it just, the math doesn't work here. And it's at that point, I really believe that God calls us to have daring faith to believe that God can make a way where there seems to be no way. And the reason I say that is because if you look at the, the passage about tithing in the Old Testament, this is in the book of, of Malachi, God really makes a promise and he says, look, if you'll bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which I believe is a, the current local church, if you'll do that, I will open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't be able to receive it all. Now, here's the thing. God says, test me in this, but... I think what is going on is that God is really testing us. And he's saying, look, do you really trust me? Do you really believe that I will honor this promise? And I remember sitting in church one Sunday, and I was out there. And another pastor was, it wasn't at this church, another church that Chris and I were attending. And he said this, if you're a Christian and you trust Jesus with your eternal destiny, if you trust Jesus with your soul, why wouldn't you trust him with your finances? 
And for me, that was the catalyst for me to say, you know what? I'm going to do this. We're going to do this as a family. We're going to start tithing and, and see what God does. And I'll tell you this, God has always honored that choice, honored that commitment. And so this morning, church, we're talking about daring faith. I want to give you another faith challenge. And it's simply this, if you're not tithing, what about this? Think about giving 1% more than you're currently giving. You know, 3%, 4%, 5%, and work toward that number. Because I know this from personal experience, that God will honor your faith. Now, there's one final characteristic of daring faith, and this is on your outline as well. Daring faith refuses to quit even when prayers remain unanswered. Daring faith refuses to quit even when prayers remain unanswered. Several years ago, when our building was under construction, we had this service. We gathered together, and the walls were bare, and people had the opportunity to write prayer requests on the walls of this room. Now, some of you may remember that. I have some pictures from that event. Some of the people in our church gathered, wrote family members' names, situations that they were praying about, praying for. And I remember where my prayer requests are written. They're on this wall to your left, right under the screen. I have family members' names that are still there. We painted the walls. The names are still there. God still sees them. And I still pray every single day for the people whose names are right there on the wall. Because I believe this. That's what faith does. But I also know this, that one of the greatest challenges to our faith is unanswered prayer. Because sometimes I've had so many people come to me and say, you know, Pastor Dudley, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and God hasn't done anything. And, and I believe he has the power, but he just hasn't chosen to answer my prayers. And, and, and I see him answering other people's prayers, so why doesn't he answer my prayers? Church, if you've ever struggled personally with that, Hebrews chapter 11 really gives us some great insight. Because at the beginning of the chapter, we read about all these people who did incredible things by faith, and God came through, God answered. In fact, let me just read a couple of verses here. Verse 32, if you've got your Bible open, you can look there. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, they shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the fury of the flames, and it goes on and on. And you feel like saying, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Faith wins. But as you continue reading in Hebrews, there's some people who aren't cheering at all because their prayers never got answered. And we read about them. There were others who were tortured. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were killed by the sword. And the list goes on and on. You see, in the Old Testament, there were people who experienced God coming through, God's victory, God's deliverance, and people who did not. But think about the promise that Messiah would come. None of the people in the Old Testament ever saw that promise fulfilled, and yet they are commended for their faith, believing that God would do that. And that's why we are the people of promise, because God has made these precious promises, and they are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Not just in his first coming, but they will be fulfilled in his second coming as well. And look at this verse. This is a powerful verse. It's Hebrew 11.39. It says, these all were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. So what do you do when you're praying and praying and praying and 
It seems like heaven is bolted shut and God's not doing anything. Here's what you do, church. Keep praying and don't give up. Because that's what Jesus taught us to do. And realize this. I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of the people that I'm praying for. I'm praying for a lot of people that are much younger than I am. And I realize that, that I might die before I see God answer my prayers. But you know what I realize? That the prayers I pray today can have an influence in the future. I might see that prayer answered from a different vantage point. I might be in heaven looking down, seeing God answer my prayers. And it could be the prayer that I prayed today. And so I want to encourage you as you pray for people that you love, as you pray for situations that seem impossible, pray with daring faith and don't give up. And that brings us to a very important question. I'm going to address this briefly, but the question is this. Okay, man, I would love to have that kind of faith. How do I get daring faith? Three things I want you to consider. The first is this. Get to know God better and better. Get to know God better and better. Look at this verse from 2 Peter. It says this. His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life. How? Where does this power come from? Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now, notice the connection here. The better you know God, the more you will trust God, and the more you trust God, the more of his power you experience in your life. So it begs the question, how can I know God better? Well, many of you know what I'm going to say. God gave us a book, and he tells us about his purpose and his plans and his heart. It's right here in the book. And let me say this. One of the best places to discover the heart of God is by reading the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you're looking for a place to start really jumping into the Bible, look at John's Gospel. John was Jesus' best friend. And when you see Jesus doing things, that's God in action. You can get to know God by reading the things that Jesus says and the things that Jesus does. And here's the other thing, pray. Because think about it, how do you get to know anybody? You've got to talk to them. Talk to God. And let him share his heart with you. So that's the first way that you can develop your faith, get to know God better and better. Here's a second way. Exercise the faith that you have. Exercise the faith that you have. There's a story about the disciples. They're out on the Sea of Galilee. A big storm comes up. Jesus calms that storm. And they see his incredible power. And there's another story about a time that Jesus is walking on the water. Some of you know the story. And they think it's a ghost. And Jesus tells Peter to walk to him on the water. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think it took daring faith for Peter to get out of the boat? Yeah, I would say. And was he successful when he first stepped out? Yeah, he was because he had his eyes on Jesus. But as soon as he looked at the wind and the waves, what happened to Peter? Man, he went down. But Jesus was right there and picked him up and he said, Where's your faith, Peter? Why did you what? Doubt. You know, I believe that that event forever marked Peter and changed his heart because he saw what was possible with daring faith. And here's the deal. Faith is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it becomes. And some of you today can look back over your life and go, man, you know, I have seen God come through so many times. And because of that, my faith is strong that he will prove himself faithful once again. And here is the, the last way to make your faith stronger. It's simply this. Ask God to give you more faith. 
Ask God to give you more faith. There's a story in Mark's gospel about this dad, and he brings his son to the disciples because he wants the disciples to heal his son. They can't do it. So Jesus shows up, and his father, um, this little boy's father says to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity and help us. Jesus says, excuse me? If you can, Jesus says, everything is possible for the one who what? Who believes. And I love the response of this dad. He says, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. And like this father, we face challenges and situations seem impossible. And if we're honest, there's a part of us that says, Jesus, I believe, but there's some doubt in my heart as well. We can say, look, Jesus, help me. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I want to do this. I want to make this really practical. And so look at your outline. There's two statements here. The first one says this. One of the biggest challenges in my life is. Maybe there are a lot of challenges, but I think what might come to the top of the list. Maybe it's something with your family, with your marriage, with your kids. It could be that you're just having a hard time overcoming anxiety and worry. I want you to think about what it is that you're really struggling with right now. And then I want you to think about the second statement. I need to believe that. Right now, I need to believe that God is with me. Right now, I need to believe that God is for me. Right now, I need to believe that that God has the power to step into this situation and do something. I need to believe that, that God has a good purpose for my life and can use even this situation to accomplish that purpose. I want you to take just a minute right now, and you can continue this throughout the week, but I want you to think about one particular challenge right now and what you need to believe. So church, let's take just a minute to think about that. Church, would you pray with me this morning? Father, as I look out and see people writing, I pray that, that we would do this, that we would bring these challenges to you. Because you're the God that can do incredible things when we trust you. And God, during this Christmas season, I pray that, that we would be people who live with hope and with faith. Because, Father, we can look back and see that you have kept your promises. Because that's who you are. You're a promise-keeping God. And, Father, I pray that we would realize that we are people of promise. We are your people. And you've promised to never leave us or forsake us. You promised, God, that you could take the most difficult things in our lives and use them to accomplish what's good for us and for your glory. God, you promised that we can experience your peace. And you promised that if we would ask for forgiveness, that you would forgive us no matter what we've done or neglected to do. 
And so, Father, I pray today that you would make our faith strong. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.